Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to those who are watching online. Just want to say Happy New Year to you and those that are here. It's so good to see you. It's so good to have you here. I'm Sammy. I'm, pastor, I'm one of the pastors here. And um, can you believe that it's the year 2023? <laughs> I can't believe it. It's been, a, been just a crazy couple of years, and, but we've made it. We're still here. We're still here. You know, I remember growing up as a child of the 70s and 80s, late 70s, late 70s. <laughs> and I'll do some simple math, and I'll be like, like, and I'm terrible at math, by the way. And I'll be like, you know, with a tiny voice. If, I'm, if my math doesn't fail me, I was like six or seven, I'm going to be 23 years old in the year 2000. <laughs> 23 years old. It's been and already 23 years after that. 2023. It's the start of a new year, and many of us have New Year's resolutions that we're going to try really hard, really hard to keep, Right? According to a study of the 41% of Americans who made New Year's resolutions, by the end of the year, only 9% feel like they have accomplished it. They've been successful. Ouch. I have definitely been a part of that statistic. <laughs> That's for sure. Year after year, being healthier is consistently the most popular New Year's resolution. Whether it's eating better, uh, exercising, losing weight. I want to guess what's the second most popular New Year's resolution? <clears throat> Saving money is the second one. Those are all great New Year's resolutions. I myself am going to try to lose some of this holiday weight that has been just storing there. That's for sure. And I think you would agree that what most people want in life is just to have peace and be happy if you, when you boil it down. You know, this, desi this desire is embedded in the very foundation of our nation. In the Declaration of Independence, it says that we're looking for and what we want is life, liberty, and the pursuit of... Happiness. You paid attention in school. That's good. But it's so easy to focus on the negative things that are going on in the world, in our country, in our own lives. You turn on the news, negative. You, you read the newspaper, negative stuff. In the world of, of sports, negative. Except, what about them Vikings? <laughs> I'm not even a Vikings fan, by the way. But wow, these guys are, you guys are doing awesome this year. And that's a lot, of, a lot of reason to celebrate for you, Vikings fan. School! Anyway. <laughs> but is it just simple happiness what Jesus is calling us to? Just to be happy. God wants something deeper and much better that will last no matter the circumstances. This is found all over the Bible, but this morning we're going to focus primarily on a beautiful, beautiful letter 
of encouragement and gratitude from the Apostle Paul that he wrote, by, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to a group of his dearest friends at the Church of Philippi in Greece, modern-day Greece. This is a church that Paul planted a few years back, so they're very dear, dear to his heart. To a group of believers that was going through a lot of difficult times, and they were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. So we get to read this today. Philippians 4, 4 to 8. And this, by the way, is for us. I really believe this is for us in the year 2023. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Talk about a message for us today. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is, ex is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. <clears throat> now, there is a lot we can talk about here. This, this chapter is one of my favorite chapters, and what we just read is just packed full of just amazing and powerful truths from the Lord. To give some context, the Apostle Paul is saying, rejoice as he's been under house arrest in Rome. And he's writing this letter from either a week or two years approximately, we don't have the exact date, at the most, from being executed for his faith in Jesus. But he says, rejoice in whom? In the Lord. When? When? Always. Always. I'm going to say it again just in case you didn't hear it. Rejoice. The word rejoice in Greek is kareo, which literally means to be favorably disposed to God's grace. It is very similar to the word translated to grace and joy. Did you know that we have literally been created we have literally been created to, to run, fueled by joy. Cindy Bouch and our staff has been, and also Pastor Joe, they've been studying and sharing some amazing things about how brain science intercepts with our walk with the Lord. And it's, this stuff has just been blowing my mind. No pun intended. <laughs> Modern brain science. This is amazing. This is amazing. Just hang on with me for, the, for this part, for sure. <laughs> Modern brain science has recently discovered that the Bible has, what the Bible has been saying all along, that our brains have been, fuel, been created to be fueled by joy. How about that? The part of our brain that helps us know who we are and how to act is the same place that is, that is also called the joy bucket. And it can grow our, our whole lives. 
And that is located in our frontal lobe, essentially right behind our right eye. That's why, if you've noticed, very joyful people have really big heads. Um, <laughs> just kidding. That's, totally, that's not true. I just made that up. Um, so, when, so when this part of our brain is big and strong, it can actually overwrite the part of our brain that makes us freak out when something crazy happens, something really bad happens. Think about that. And think about that, and think about this in the context of verses like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's amazing. Who would have thought that God knew what he was doing when he created us, right? But guess what? Our brains can also run and fear. But it actually prefers to run and joy. But when we start losing joy... What happens is pain becomes bigger and, and, and worse. Problems become even bigger than they are. That's why it's so important to meditate on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Those were not just words that Paul was just throwing out. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And there is actual science of how God created our brains to meditate on Him and the goodness of the Lord. Brain science, this is the last thing I want to say about this, uh, have also discovered that our brains have been designed to scan, to scan, if you will, for what is good in our lives. And if we practice the habit of appreciation and thankfulness, then we train our brain to unconsciously look for and focus on good things that have happened in the past and in the present. Being thankful for the goodness and the faithfulness of God. <clears throat> Verse 6 also says, With thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Therefore, as we remember the grace of God in our lives, His goodness, it produces a sense of gratitude which results in joy, a permanent and unshakable joy. We're not talking about just happiness that comes and goes depending on the circumstances. We're talking about the kind of joy that transcends circumstances and outcomes. And that's the kind of power that God is inviting us to tap into in this year, 2023. What about that for a New Year's resolution? That's at the top of my list. I want to live in the joy of the Lord always, permanently, no matter what. Verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice from a Roman prison. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Okay, so there is a secret sauce to having unshakable joy of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty and in want. Sounds like a marriage vow, right? Paul was committed to following Jesus and serving him no matter what, till the end. And he did. And here is the secret. Here is the secret. God tells us right here through the Apostle Paul. A very famous verse. And I can do all, all of this through him who gives me strength. This is not the power of positive thinking, by the way. It's coming out of the power of properly focusing on who God is and who we are in him. This joy doesn't come from just thinking about positive thoughts about myself, so we'll be more joyful. It's coming out of someone that is saying, hey, I was in prison at midnight, beat up for my faith in Jesus, and I still had joy. I still have what I need. And you know why? Because God allows me to experience through Christ the strength I need, no matter what's going on. You know, I know the holidays can be a hard time for a lot of people. Weird and just challenging conversa conversations and dynamics around the dinner table. Uncle Frank always wants to talk about politics. I don't want to go. Some of us have lost loved ones during this season. So this can be a, a very sad time instead of a happy time. And we're just glad that the holidays are over so we can move on with our lives. And we, coming, we, and we may be coming to church this morning thinking, I would be more joyful, but here's my situation. It's great we're talking about joy, but you don't know what's going on in my life. That life right now is really hard. But Paul is saying, oh, I understand your situation. I'm not minimizing your struggles. I know they're real. I empathize with what you're going through. But I know that the root of gratitude in the grace of God works even when you're in chains in a horrible Roman prison, knowing that this time could be the end of your life here on earth. But Paul didn't stop rejoicing. And the Lord wants to encourage you and I that we can do the same in him. It says, rejoice in the Lord. I've been hungry and I've been well fed. I've been in plenty and I've been in need. I've been shipwrecked and built a fire on the beach and a viper came and bit me in the arm. And I've been in prison and been persecuted. I've been ostracized by my peers. I've been beaten in close to an inch of my life. I know what it's like to go through struggles. But I want to encourage you this morning, church, that there is a secret, and the secret is this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Amen. He fills me with his joy, and that sustains me. And what about the joy that Jesus has? He says, the joy of the Lord. Okay, so what about, is he a joyful God? Well, you betcha. <laughs> 
Hey, I got that. I got that. I've been around for a while. <clears throat> you betcha. Like, what is you betcha? It's like, yes. Okay, okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 2 to 3. I just want to read this real quick. <laughs> Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus knows a thing or two about being and staying joyful during difficult, horrible situations. He went to the cross because of the joy set before him, because of you and me. The message today is not that you need more strength. The message today is that Jesus himself is enough strength for you because he already won the battle for us. Let's continue. Yet it was good of you to share in my struggle, in my, in my troubles. Okay, I've had some troubles, but I still had joy. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Such a beautiful, such a beautiful thank you letter to this church. And now out of that context, another famous verse from, from Paul. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. But let's not just yank this verse and parachute it down into the moment. And simply saying, well, God said he's going to provide all my needs. I'm golden. <laughs> God said he will meet all my needs because I've already moved in generosity to support the work of the kingdom expansion through the Apostle Paul. I'm living in obedience so I can be confident that he's going to provide what I need, not necessarily what I want sometimes. In the same way, I'm being an answer to someone else's pray, prayer of God supplying their needs. So there is a cycle of generosity that we are seeing here that Paul is teaching us here. You know, joy is relational. Paul was in relationship with other believers, even from prison. And that also fueled, fueled his joy during, during very difficult times. God wants us to share his joy in relationship with other people. We're not meant to be isolated and walk this journey alone. The joy of the Lord in you helps fuel joy in someone else. I can say so much about that. Joy is contagious. 
When somebody smiles at you and they're just so happy to see you, that actually in your brain creates joy. And then you're like, wow, I'm cool. I'm that important. That's awesome. Thank you for making me feel welcome. Paul was walking in joy that was rooted in God, but also connected to other believers. And then there is a header. We're, we're coming to the end. There's a header that says, final greetings. Here's when many of us just hit the eject button and, and close our Bibles. Because who needs to read the final greetings, right? But there is something very, very important. And there's a gold mine at the end here that we don't want to miss. So you get some extra credit for reading the final greeting this morning. Verse 21 I love this. I love this. Okay. Um, Greet all God's people. So this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi in Greece as he is in house arrest in Rome waiting. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me greet you and send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And I was like, wait a minute. Back it up. Back, back up. Back it, back it up. Especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Greet you. Like Emperor Nero, his household, the emperor. Like, are you serious? Paul was like, I can't name names right now because I don't want to jeopardize the lives of our brothers and sisters because if this is found out, people will start losing their lives by the end of the day. But because of my imprisonment, the gospel of Jesus Christ has reached people even in Nero's court. Think about that. At the beginning of this letter, Paul states in Philippians 1.12, 14. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, okay, the military, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Without fear. If you remember, Paul was arrested in Jerusalem and he was brought before the Sanhedrin. This time they were trying to kill him for sure. And, and Paul was like, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm a Roman citizen. Did you know that I'm a Roman citizen? You can't execute me without due process. I have to go to Rome. And everyone's like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. We can't, what? We didn't know you were a Roman citizen. Like, okay, and then they checked it out. It's like, okay, it checks out. He is a Roman citizen. We can't touch him. He's got to go to Rome. And this started a journey to appeal to Caesar. A lot happened in that journey. Paul knew that the epicenter of the world, the seat of power at that time, was Rome. They've already built a road and transportation system that reached pretty much the whole world. 
So he was thinking, I got to take the story of Jesus. I got to take this gospel to Rome. And eventually he makes, makes it to Rome and he's arrived at the destination. He's at the epicenter of the world and he's also under house arrest. But he's joyful because the mission is being accomplished. The gospel has come to Rome even as far as Caesar's household. So he ends this letter by letting the church in Philippi that people that work in the court of the king, of the emperor, send them greetings. I mean, like Nero, like the guy that burned Christians alive, like torches just for entertainment, and sent them to die horrible deaths by wild animals at the Colosseum, the guy that played music while Rome was burning, yet, yes, that Nero, the gospel has made it even close to him. Maybe his cook came to know the Lord. Maybe his cupbearer is a believer. Maybe members of his secret service and his top guard are filled with the Holy Spirit. People in Nero's own household are coming to faith in Jesus. I can imagine some of his believers coming to, to where Paul was being held in that house. Because they had special access to, to Paul because he was a... Um, a prisoner of the Roman Empire, asking him, just sneaking in and being like, okay, hey, Paul, Paul writing. Who are you writing to now? And Paul saying to my friends at the church in Philippi, but don't tell anyone. This is top secret. Shh. Okay, we won't say anything. We won't say anything. But can you please send them greetings too from us? Please tell them to keep going, to don't give up, that Jesus is worth it. Anyone can be changed by the gospel. And it's very possible that Nero himself, before he took his life, had a chance, perhaps, to hear about the grace of God through Jesus Christ. All things work for the good of those who love him. Oh, this challenges me. I don't know if it does you, but it challenges me big time. Is this me? Is this me? Is this us? Are we so consumed with God's mission that we stay focused on what really matters? To the point that our mission overrides our condition. Can the unbelieving world look to us, the church of Jesus, when stuff hits the fan and the world, in the, in the world and in their own lives? We gotta, but we gotta remain in him. We gotta stay close to him. This is why we talk about prayer and spending time with Jesus around here all the time. It's not so that we can just check off some religious requirements so Jesus, so God would be pleased with us. God loves you like crazy. He wants to spend time with us. His joy bucket lights up when he sees us. The Bible says that he rejoices over us with singing. You know that God sings? He sings to you. He sings over, over us. He serenades us. True joy 
comes from being captivated by Jesus. I know that can sound very elementary and so simple, but it's true. In other words, if you're going to be a joyful person, if you want to have a joyful family, if a church is going to be a joyful church, we must be captivated by the person of Jesus. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. That's all I want. I don't just want the four things that are going to help me have a better life or help fix my marriage or help build a better business or whatever it is that we want today. I don't want some benefits of Christ to fall into place into my life in 2023. I actually want Christ. I want him. We've lived through a a crazy, crazy couple of years. A global pandemic, recession, wars, and rumors of war. There's a lot of uncertainty in the air, in anxiety. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but God does. Amen? God does. And we can live in joyful confidence that no matter what happens, Jesus will always be by our side. He's our foundation. Nothing else. Jesus is enough. There are no substitutes and there's nothing and no one and no one better. There's no one better. I want to call the worship team and I want to call those that are, will be serving communion. And you, you can just start serving uh, right away. And I just want to end with this. <clears throat> John 15, verse 11, Jesus said, He is the vine, and we are the branches. If we remain in Him, we will bear much fruit. But apart from Him, we can do nothing. Then He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Let's sing it to him. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Oh, yes. Because he lives. All fear is gone. All fear is gone. 
Because I know He holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. It's one of my all-time favorite old hymns, and it's so true. Lord, we thank you for your joy. You're a joyful God. You're a loving God. You are love. You are joy. Without you, we can do nothing. And because you live, because you conquer the grave, because you died for our sins, because of the joy set before you, you did it. Because you conquered death and the grave. And you are, you are seated before the Father. We will live. We have the hope of glory. We'll live forever because you live. We can be confident in you no matter what. Whatever is going on in our lives, whatever is coming in the future, help us to have our roots deeply, deeply planted in you only. In you, Lord. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given things, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance. Remember. Remember. Do this in remembrance of me. This day. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me and as were you and every time we worship and especially in this moment just think you're not just singing to some distant cosmic energy out there in the universe okay we love and we are loved by the God of the universe that actually loves to sing over us. He's excited to see you. He's excited that you're here, that your heart is open, that you want to know him, that you want to follow him. 
That's the God that we worship. So when we sing and we lift our voices, just imagine God singing right back at you, just singing over us. He rejoices. So let's rejoice in the joy of the Lord this morning. Amen.